Story five of The Human Boy and the War by Eden Philpotts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story five The Hutchings Testimonial Naturally, all Merivale was deeply interested in the adventures of Mr. Hutchings at the front of the war. Of the three masters who had instantly volunteered, only Hutchings had actually gone to the front, being a skilled territorial and holding a commission in the Devons. But the other two, Manwaring and Meadows, had to be content with Kitchener's army, because they were ignorant of the subject of warfare and had to begin at the beginning. Of course, Fortescue would have proudly gone, as his splendid poems on the war and his general valiant feeling showed, and we were very sorry we had misunderstood him, but his aorta being a bit off quite prevented him doing anything, except write splendid poems urging everybody else to go, and no doubt many did go because of them. As for Brown, he was five feet nothing, or thereabouts, and so he wasn't wanted, and I believe in secret he thanked God for it, though in public he said it was the bitterest blow of his life. And Rice, who doesn't fear Brown, asked him why he didn't join a Gurkha regiment, and Brown said nothing would give him greater pleasure, only unfortunately, owing to caste and religion, and one thing and another, it was out of the question. He appeared to bar the Bantam Regiment also, probably not so much as the Bantam Regiment would have barred him. So you may say Merivale only had one man at the positive front, though Jenny Dunstan, the doctor's youngest daughter but two, was engaged to a man in the Welsh Fusiliers, and he was there, and Abbott's father was also there. They were, of course, nothing to us, though no doubt a good deal to Jenny Dunstan and Abbott's mother but all our excitement centered on Hutchings, who was a lieutenant, and was often believed to do the work of a captain when actually under fire. He occasionally sent a postcard to Fortescue, saying that all was well, and I believe Fortescue also got a letter with pieces censored out of it, but he did not show it to us, though he told Travers Minor and Briggs that it was anxious work. This was when the British expedition was falling back, much to its regret but soon the time came when they got going forward again and then fortescue bucked up and i believe wrote his best poetry in fact fortescue really was a sort of weather-glass of the war if you understand me and chaps in his class said that after a reverse you could do simply anything with him and he didn't seem to have the slightest interest in work and didn't care if you were right or wrong and in a way it was equally all right for his class after a victory, for then he was so hopeful and pleased that he never came down on anybody. So we hadn't got to read the papers, because after seeing Fortescue in the morning, we always knew the general hang of the war. In fact, Mitchell, who was a cunning student of other people's characters, though his own was beastly, said that you had only to look at Fortescue's neck to know how it was going at the front. If his head was hanging over his chest, it was certain the Allies had had a nasty knock, and if it was just about normal, you knew nothing had happened to matter either way. And if it was thrown up and straight, and Fortescue's eyes were bright behind his glasses, then you knew that we had scored, or else the French or Russians had, then a little child could lead Fortescue, as Mitchell said and at last came hill number sixty and the fearfully sad news that hutchings was dead or wounded and many of us would have given a week's pocket-money to know which 
then came the good news under the roll of honor that he was only wounded and after that many of us would have given a week's pocket money to know where presently we heard from dr dunston that he was in paris and then we heard that he was coming to england and going to the private house of some very sporting rich people who had turned their mansion into a hospital for wounded officers then fortescue heard from hutchings and most kindly gave us the information that he had been wounded in two places the shoulder and the calf of the right leg and we were thankful that it was no worse we were allowed to write to hutchings and barrington who was head boy now that travers major had left composed a letter and everybody signed it and i hope he liked it but then came the great idea of a presentation to hutchings i am blades and it was my idea though afterwards sutherland and thwaites claimed it but i promise you it was mine and we had a meeting in chapel one night before prep at which barrington proposed and i seconded the great thought that we should make a collection of money for a memorial to hutchings barrington said we are met together for a good object namely to collect money for a valuable memorial of his bravery in the war for mr hutchings or i should say lieutenant hutchings everybody here even his own class likes him and the new boys who do not know him would equally like him if they did no doubt there will be a very fine medal of hill number sixty struck and presented to our troops who were in that terrific battle and no doubt lieutenant hutchings will get it but it often takes years and years before war medals are struck and presented to the heroes of a battle and i have heard that some of the medals from the battle of waterloo are still hanging fire and many ought to have had them who died a natural death long before they were sent out so i propose that we make a collection for mr hutchings and present him with a valuable object before he goes back to the war because if we leave it till afterwards it may be too late and i said i beg to second the excellent speech you have just heard and if anybody is of a different opinion let him say so it was carried then barrington said we must have a committee of management with a secretary and treasurer and it was done the committee consisted of me and barrington and sutherland and thwaites and rice who would not have been on such an important thing in the ordinary way was proposed because he was enormously popular and would be able to persuade many to subscribe who would not otherwise do so without great pressure that only left the treasurer and well knowing mitchell's financial skill and mastery of arithmetic in general i proposed him some chaps who owed mitchell money were rather shy of voting for him but finally they decided it was better to have him for a friend than an enemy and so they voted in his favor i myself owed mitchell three shillings for which i was paying tuppence a week which was a fair interest and personally i always found him honorable though firm anyway he was made treasurer and he said the subscription list must be posted in a public place because in these cases people like to see their names where other people would also see them and that publicity was the backbone of philanthropy we left it with him as he thoroughly understood that branch of the testimonial and meanwhile from time to time the committee met to consider what ought to be bought and we differed a good deal on the subject 
i thought as hutchings would certainly go back to the war when he was well we ought to buy him a complete outfit of comforts including blankets tobacco of which he was very fond a thermos flask a wool helmet day socks night socks a mouth guard to keep out german stinks and in fact everything to help him through the misery of warfare including a filter for drinking water and sutherland was rather inclined to agree with me but the others were not thwaites said my dear blades you talk as if you were his grandmother no doubt he's got women relations to look after paltry things like that but a testimonial rises to a much higher plane in my opinion it ought to be something that will last forever and not wear out and be forgotten and rice said get the man a revolver and barrington said he's got one and rice said of course he has and if we get him another then he'd have two and that means six less germans some day very likely but barrington didn't approve we want a testimonial that has nothing to do with actual battle he said the war won't last forever and we ought to buy something useful and also ornamental that hutchings will be able to employ in everyday life when all is over we want something that will catch his eye a hundred times a day and pleasantly remind him and his family of his heroic past and us an heirloom in fact said thwaites but i argued that practical comforts at the critical moment would be far better than an heirloom for future use because if he didn't have the mouth guard and filter and so on he might die and where would the heirloom come in then i said what's the good of knowing you've got a silver ink pot or a tea kettle or a cellaret full of whiskey at home when you're perishing for a wholesome drink in the field and barrington said that was petty and so did thwaites they seemed to think that the remembrance of our testimonial safe at home would carry hutchings safe through all the horrors of the campaign it turned out that i had rather touched up barrington for he had actually been thinking about a silver ink-pot and thwaites had been thinking about a cellaret with three bottles of various spirits but i told them flatly i didn't agree with them then they asked sutherland his idea and he said it wasn't so much what we should like as what hutchings would he said perhaps a very fine meerschaum pipe mounted in silver with an inscription would do because there you have a creature comfort of the first class and also a testimonial which would not wear out and a pipe would be far more to hutchings either in war or peace than an ink-pot or in fact anything of that sort and rice said why not get the man a sword he could use it in the war and if all went well he could hang it up in his home afterwards and if there was blood on it then he'd have great additional pleasure every time he looked at it and so would his family barrington rather liked the sword but he said that classy swords were frightfully expensive and he doubted whether we should run to it then the committee broke up to meet again when we found out how the subscriptions came in unfortunately this department of the testimonial was very slow mitchell with great trouble wrote out a list of the whole school and was allowed to put it on the notice board class by class he wrote it one hundred and thirty-two boys he wrote with money columns and a line leading from each boy to the money column on it in large ornamental letters nicholson who was a dab at printing put the words testimonial fund to lieutenant hutchings from merivale school then we all waited breathlessly for the result in the money column 
there was some delay because everybody of course wrote home on the subject and mentioned it in the next sunday's letters and we pointed out to the kids that a good and useful thing to write home about and something at least to fill two pages would be the hutchings testimonial whether they made the appeal or not of course none could tell but if they did the response was fearfully feeble when questioned they said that their people at home had done such a frightful lot for the war already that further cash for hutchings was out of the question while other parents wrote back not that they had done much for the war but that the war had done much for them in a very unfavorable manner the result was apparently the same in each case and the lower school all except peterson in the third responded very badly to the appeal he produced ten bob much to our amazement and there was one other ten bob secured by abbott through his mother because his father was at the front and still unwounded as for the sixth who headed the list we all gave three bob to a man except barrington who gave five the fifth came out at about one and tenpence a head which was fair without being particularly dazzling but the fourth fell away a good deal and after that there was a hideous array of blanks mitchell said it was probably owing to the utter failure of the dividends of the parents of the lower school and as we could not apparently make bricks without straw we considered how to tackle the lower school there is no doubt the failure was genuine for many of them had even their pocket-money reduced so pegram who had only subscribed a shilling himself by the way proposed that the kids should be invited to give property instead of cash he said if they all yield up something they value we can collect the goods in a mass and have a sale and the proceeds of the sale can go to the hutchings testimonial the committee approved this excepting thwaites who thought nothing of it but when asked to give his objection he merely said wait and see which we did do and found that thwaites was wonderfully right and had looked on ahead much farther than us the kids agreed willingly to subscribe in goods and were only too delighted to do so but when it came to the point the goods of the kids proved utterly worthless in the open market it was a revelation in a sort of way to see the things the kids valued and honestly thought were worth money in fact preston said it was pathetic and pegram said we had a good foundation for a rubbish heap but nothing more they brought string and screws and nails also the glass marbles from a certain make of ginger beer bottle and knives fearfully out of order and corkscrews and padlocks without keys and a few threadbare story-books and three copies of hymns ancient and modern and two old horseshoes and catapults and bullets and shot and charms they also brought three steel watch-chains and one leather one and percy minimus offered a watch-chain made from his mother's hair so he said but nobody bid for it naturally for who on earth wants a watch-chain made of somebody else's mother's hair there was also a bottle imp fourteen india-rubber balls and seven golf-balls all worn out two kids cricket bats unspliced three pairs of tan gloves new but small and one pair of wool ones eight neckties not new and a silk handkerchief given to tudor in case he had a cold in his head but not required up till now and therefore new 
among other items was half a packet of sanatogen also from tudor a box of chocolate cigarettes several conjuring tricks mostly out of order and three guinea pigs alive of other live things were included a white rat with pink eyes and a hairless pinkish tail and a dormouse which mather said was hibernating though mitchell thought was dead it proved alive on applying warmth and fetched five pence lastly there was a chrysalis into which a remarkable caterpillar found by hastings on the twenty first of last september had turned and as nobody knew the species of moth to be presently produced by it hastings thought it worth money and put a reserve of tuppence on it but the chrysalis was long overdue and so it did not reach the reserve and so hastings who was still hopeful bought it back for that sum as a matter of fact it never turned into anything and was found to be quite hollow when examined there was a good deal of other trash hardly worth mentioning and many lots at the sale did not produce any offer at all let alone competition and the owners of these lots thankfully got them back again though of course sorry that they commanded no market value and some kids were much surprised to find their rubbish had no value at all in the eyes of the larger world so to speak one way and another the sale realized eight shillings and fourpence chiefly owing to the generosity of rice who gave the absurd sum of two shillings for the guinea pigs which were not even the chrysanthemum variety of pig with wild and tousled hair but just sleek ordinary pigs and known to be far past their prime one in fact had a bald head the hutchings testimonial now stood at four pounds fourteen shillings and sevenpence and thanks to a windfall in the shape of five shillings from cornwallis who had a birthday and got a pound for it we were now practically up to a fiver in fact i myself flung in the five pence but we were far from satisfied for as mitchell with his mathematical mind pointed out five pounds spread over one hundred and thirty-two boys amounts to the rather contemptible smallness of nine pence and one-eleventh a boy we raised the question of inviting the masters to come in from dr dunston downwards and some fondly thought that dunston would very likely give another five pounds to double ours but barrington said he had reason to fear this would not happen because from rumours dropped between brown and fortescue which he had accidentally overheard while working in fortescue's study he believed that a good many parents were putting the moratorium in force on the doctor and fortescue seemed to think that it was quite within human possibility that the doctor might put the moratorium in force on him and brown with very grave results to their financial position but brown said the moratorium was over long ago and could not be revived against them then two things of considerable importance happened on the subject of the hutchings testimonial firstly we heard that hutchings might come to merivale for a week or so before returning to his regiment and secondly mitchell made a very interesting offer concerning the five pounds now deposited with him he said very truly that money breeds money in skilled hands and that no financier worthy of the name ever lets his talent lie hid in a napkin but far from it he said to the committee it's like this we are now a fortnight from the holidays and the holidays will be five weeks long 
five and two are seven therefore it follows that for seven weeks this five pounds is doing nothing whatever this would be untrue to the science of political economy and banking therefore i propose that i send the five pounds to my father and ask him to invest it in his business my father john septimus mitchell esq is a member of the stock exchange of london and would no doubt very easily turn our five pounds into six or even seven in the course of seven weeks this would greatly increase the power of the committee and the extent of the testimonial for hutchings and then at the beginning of next term we shall be able to buy and present the testimonial in person to hutchings well knowing mitchell it was rather a delicate question in a way but what he said was sound finance as barrington admitted and barrington himself felt thoroughly inclined to trust mitchell we went into a sort of private committee after mitchell had gone and though i and thwaites voted against the majority was in favour of agreeing to the suggestion of mitchell and therefore it was done then mitchell sent the five pounds to his father and gave us the cheering news that his father had received it and agreed to invest it at interest and mitchell handed barrington a document from his father to show all was being rightly managed on the stock exchange about it and barrington kept the document carefully as it was legal and had a penny stamp on it we next returned to the question of the testimonial itself and still could not agree about it though we were now able to argue on the basis of seven pounds instead of five we had agreed about a sword but unfortunately found on inquiries that a sword worthy to be called a presentation sword would cost about fifty pounds and ought to have rubies and emeralds in the handle which was of course out of the question many things were suggested but none somehow met the case and we fairly kicked ourselves to think that a committee like us were such a lot of fatheads and of course dozens of the chaps asked us about it and were rather surprised we couldn't think of the right thing proposals were showered in but all to no purpose and the end of the term actually arrived without anything being settled it was then agreed that we should all think hard about the form of the testimonial during the holidays and barrington hoped that events at the front might develop and help us to hit on a happy idea and we all hoped so too as for mitchell he said that he thought very likely hutchings would rather have the money than anything else but that was of course what mitchell himself would rather have had though far below the mind of a patriotic man like hutchings and thwaites said rather scornfully to mitchell that no doubt he would rather have money than an heirloom to hand down to the future generations and mitchell said that he undoubtedly would because money was out and away the best possible sort of heirloom and everybody knew it at heart even though they might pretend different then the holidays took place and the prizes were decidedly skimpy which was a disappointment to those who got them and a comfort to those who didn't nothing of any consequence occurred to me during the holidays and i had no idea for hutchings worth mentioning and when we all returned we found the committee as a whole were in the same position as before there were many suggestions made certainly but none that pleased the entire committee then a dreadful thing upset the situation and for three days the darkness of returning to school was made darker still by a sensational rumour 
Mitchell did not turn up on the appointed afternoon, and it was whispered that he wasn't coming back at all. Presently the whisper grew into a regular roar, so to speak, and Brown announced the tremendous news that Mitchell had left altogether and might be going straight into his father's business of being a stockbroker on the Stock Exchange London. To add to this, Hutchings was now staying at Merivale with the doctor for a few days before going back to the war, and he had already heard about the testimonial, and was undoubtedly in a great state of excitement about it. His wounds had taken an unexpectedly long time to heal, but he was now quite ready for renewed activity at the front, and was, in fact, going back on the following Friday with other healed heroic men our position had now become extremely grave and we held a committee meeting instantly and thwaites and i were in the position of the late lord roberts when he clamoured for an army and couldn't get one because we had strongly advised that mitchell should not be allowed to send the money to his father but the committee had outvoted us i was dignified myself and did not remind the committee of my views but thwaites did and there was a good deal of bitterness in the remarks of the committee till barrington reminded us of the legal document which we had preserved with such care he said that he was not in the least alarmed and felt sure that whatever mitchell might be the father of mitchell was a man of honour and would not risk his position on the stock exchange of london for a paltry seven pounds so we wrote to the address on the legal document stating the case and saying politely but firmly that we expected the seven pounds by return of post we added that we trusted mitchell's father implicitly and that as the matter was very urgent owing to mr hutchings being just off again to the front we hoped that he would be so good as to give it his personal attention the moment he received our letter this we all signed to show how many people were interested and that it was a serious affair for three very trying days we heard nothing and the school was in a fair uproar and the committee got itself very much disliked then when we had decided to put the matter into the hands of dr dunstan mitchell himself wrote to me and sent a check signed by his father but it was not for seven pounds i regret to say in fact it was not even for six his wretched father had merely sent us back our five pounds with seven pence added mitchell explained that we had received four per cent for our money and that he was sorry nothing better could be done for the moment owing to the stock exchange being very much upset by the war and he asked us for a stamped receipt for the money which we sent him in very satirical language and said that no doubt his father had made the two pounds himself and we promised faithfully that when we grew up and had dealings on the stock exchange of london they wouldn't be with mitchell and his father barrington by the way wouldn't sign this piece of satire which was invented by tracy all the same we sent it but mitchell never answered it and soon afterwards he turned up again having merely been ill and not going to leave at all hutchings was going on the following friday and something had to be done at once the committee which was now fairly sick of the sight of one another met again for the last time i'm glad to say and the question being acute as thwaites said we proposed and seconded that a master or two should be invited to help us with ideas 
then i thought of something still better and suggested that we should simply and straightforwardly go to hutchings himself and ask him what he most wanted in the nature of an heirloom that could be got for five pounds and sevenpence and everybody gladly seconded this idea though of course it was not so impressive as making a presentation with a few dignified words and the whole school present as we had meant to do however we went to hutchings and he was much pleased and said it was ripping of us all and promised the morning before he went to try and get us a half holiday as a memory of him this was good but still better was the great ease with which hutchings decided what he wanted he said i'll tell you what i'll do on my way through london to dover i'll buy a pair of field glasses and i'll have inscribed somewhere on them to lieutenant t hutchings from merivale school we agreed gladly to this and so did everybody and several chaps who had suggested this very thing and been turned down reminded us afterwards at any rate hutchings got them and wrote to barrington from a direction he couldn't name to say he'd got them inscribed and all and they were splendid glasses and that we might picture him often using them on the field to mark the enemy's position or sweep the sky for aeroplanes which was very agreeable to us to hear and showed all our trouble was by no means in vain and in return we wrote to hutchings and told him we were very pleased to know about the glasses and were glad to inform him that we had got the half-holiday and though it unfortunately poured without ceasing all the time it was quite successful in every other way End of story five.